Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. And uh, I'm joined today by Big Blue View's Tony Del Genio as we look back at the just-concluded New York Giants 2023 NFL Draft. Tony, how you doing today? Appreciate your your time as always. I'm doing great, Ed. And those couldn't help but do great. There you go. Those of you who are are watching on YouTube see that I'm wearing a hat today. You might not be able to see it, but I I, I meant to wear this hat. This is my Maryland Terrapins hat. I meant to wear this on, on Friday when we reviewed round one and, and forgot to do that. But but I've got it on for you guys today. So you know, and and I'm wearing that since uh, since I'm a Maryland grad in honor of the Giants drafting Deontay Banks in round one. So. Had to had to make sure that I did that today, Tony. Well, I'm 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 yeah, guessing that you enjoyed that first round pick. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, I always you know it. Uh, I mean, it's always cool to uh, to have Maryland guys on the uh, on the Giants roster. So so that and I I think this is uh, this is the first time you know since uh, since I've been covering the Giants anyway that that I can recall them drafting a Maryland guy in round one. So, so yeah, it's, it, it's kind of cool. And uh, I think, you know, there are a lot of Giants fans who might want to put on one of those Terps hats this weekend. Also, There there you go. I, I have a couple of other ones laying around the house too, but this yeah. is, this is the best one. So, uh, so, and, and besides which, you know, when I wear that, when I wear the red hat, my wife can find me in a crowd. So, <laughs> <laughs> Although, although there, there is a, there is a quick story about this hat. I wore this hat to cover training camp a couple of times last year. And I happened to wear the hat on a day that I was scheduled to interview Dexter Lawrence and Dexter, of course, took one look at the hat as he was walking up to to greet me he took one look at the hat and he told pr he said i i can't talk to him not while he's wearing that hat i can't talk to him <laughs> so so dexter's a lot bigger than i am so i took the hat off right there you go so so tony let's get into uh let's get into some some draft talk here um Lots and lots of praise. We talk about NFL draft grades. Lots and lots of praise for Giants general manager Joe Shane, you know, from the national uh, NFL draft media. And I think I think it's absolutely 100% deserved. There's no way to know. There's 
you know, how any of these picks are going to pan out. There's no way to know if Deontay Banks is going to be an all pro or if he's going to be a bust. The same with John Michael Schmitz or Jalen Hyatt or any of the other guys picked. But as we sit here today, for me, it's impossible not to look at this draft and think that the Giants did very, very well over the last few days. Yeah, and I, I've been thinking of it not just in terms of the players the Giants drafted, but also how you know what it does to them in their ability to to catch up with the rest of their division. Uh, and yeah, that's obviously you know, you're looking for a Super Bowl, but but the first order of business is being more competitive in your division than they were. Obviously, they were competitive with Washington last year but they weren't competitive at all with Philadelphia and they were somewhat competitive with Dallas, but just, you know, not enough, not to the point where, where, where they can start beating Dallas on any kind of regular basis. And I feel that, that the giants really did as good a job of meeting their needs while not reaching for players in order to do it as, as just about anybody in the league. Uh, and, and, I, I looked at the the drafts of the other three teams in the division. Obviously, Philadelphia had two amazing first round picks uh, in in Jalen Carter and uh, Nolan Smith, but uh, and that team doesn't have a whole lot of weaknesses. But I'm not sure that they particularly strengthened areas where they are a little bit more susceptible than, than others. I didn't think Dallas had a particularly great draft. I didn't think Washington had a particularly great draft, and I thought the Giants did have a great draft, and so. My, my gut feeling is, is that the Giants have, have moved up in their ability to compete with their division opponents. I thought the same thing, Tony. In fact, I wrote about that in my Things I Think column on Sunday morning. One of the things that Joe Shane said at the very outset of the offseason was that there's a talent gap between the Giants and the Eagles and the Giants and the Kansas City Chiefs whatever teams you would consider the top three or four teams in the NFL, the Giants had work to do to get there and, and compete, you know, on a talent level with those teams. And I look, I look at where the Giants are now after the, the main part of the roster building season is over. And I look at it and yes, the Eagles had an outstanding draft. They made, two really good first round selections they made the trade for DeAndre Swift the running back you know from Detroit but you can argue that what the Eagles did basically allowed them to tread water after some of the players who they lost in free agency during the uh, during the offseason so you can argue that that Perhaps they didn't get better. Being as good as they were in the draft allowed them not to take a step back. I think that for me, what the Giants did this offseason, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to go out and win nine games again or 10 games or 11 games and make the playoffs again because you just never know how the games are going to go. You never know who's going to get hurt. You never know when there's going to be a crazy bounce or an awful call that costs you a game or or something along that line. But I think that when I look at the Giants, what they did in free agency, upgrading the defensive front seven, 
what they've done in the, in the draft here, upgrading the the speed and athleticism, and adding a guy who could be if he if he pans out the way people think in John Michael Schmitz, a guy who could be the anchor of that the middle of that offensive line for a while. I think the Giants have taken a big step forward in terms of the talent and the depth across their roster. So so I would argue that they have, to an extent, closed that talent gap. It's not a one-year process to get to where the Eagles are, but I would argue that that this was a good step forward for the Giants. Yeah, and I think... You know, not just uh, in in talent itself, but but one of the things you mentioned was speed and athleticism. Uh, if you if you were wondering what Joe Shane and Brian Dable feel is important in prospects that they go out and and draft, speed and athleticism is is it basically just about every one of those guys they drafted, uh, except for uh, Jordan Riley, the nose tackle at the end of the the seventh round. But every one of those guys they drafted has tremendous uh, RAS, relative athletic score uh, rankings. Uh, Deontay Banks was actually, I think, the, the highest RAS score of, of anyone in the last 37 years or something like that. Uh, uh, you know, it's just amazing uh, the, 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 the consistency with which they drafted guys that are extremely athletic. And that, that even went into their free agent signings because they signed a free agent wide receiver, Bryce Ford Wheaton, who was a, a big guy, 6'4", 211 stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, he's a, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, you look at, you look at his chart and, and it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. I, you know, he ran a 43840. <laughs> in some of the mock drafts that I did, I was picking Bryce Ford Wheaton for the Giants on day three, mm-hmm. simply for the reason that I, I, I kept looking at the relative athletic score or the chart on, on mock draftable and saying, you know, this guy's at the top of almost every category when it comes to athleticism. You've got to take a flyer on this guy and see if you can tap into that. Yeah, and and, and that's also, I think, something that you have to keep in mind with the division opponents. Because if you if you look at the division opponents, they all have very athletic skill players. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the Eagles not only with Jalen Hurts, but with their but with their wide receivers are extremely athletic. The Cowboys too, uh, with their with their wide receivers and Dak is actually pretty athletic too. And even Washington uh, with Dotson and uh, and Curtis Samuel and uh, and so on, you know, have pretty athletic receivers. And so, I think it's clear that there's a type that the Giants are looking for on the team. And that's one, not the only factor, obviously, but one of the factors that they must use to sift through prospects. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned the value of the picks and Warren Sharp of, of Sharp Football posted a couple of graphics on Sunday morning. One showing that based on where guys were expected to be selected in the draft, Every one of the Giants' selections, with the exception maybe of 254, because I think his chart only went to 250, every single one of those picks was actually a value pick because the Giants got that player later than he was anticipated to be drafted. And another chart that, that Sharp had posted said that in terms of player value, 
probably again because of where the Giants were able to pick those players. The Giants got the best value out of any team in the league in this draft. So just another couple of analytical ways to look at what Joe Shane did and feel really good about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that really at every point, especially on days one and, and two, and even and even at the beginning of uh, day three, when the Giants first picked in in round five, I I, I couldn't help but really smile at the uh, at every single player that got picked and thought, "Wow, that's a great addition to the team. That's a really nice pick at this point of the draft," and so on and so forth. And I think that the majority of Giants fans, who could be a pretty critical bunch, uh, where a majority of Giants fans, I think, loved what the Giants did through through most of those rounds. Giants fans critical, Tony? Come on. <laughs> you know, in 16 years I, of, of doing this, I never noticed that. You know, well, I, I, still, I, I, I still see some of it on Twitter. People people criticizing <laughs> uh, Shane. And what, well, he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting, um, you know, because people, I think, will find you – know, p- some people just have to criticize. They're, you know, they're, it doesn't matter – Whatever it is, some people have to find have to find something to pick on, something to be unhappy about. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, one of the things that, that I wrote this morning or Monday, Sunday morning at Big Blue View was that whether you're thrilled with the players that Joe Shane drafted or not, especially in the first three rounds, whether you're thrilled with with those players or not. I think that you should be thrilled by the aggressiveness, by the bold, go-and-get-it decision-making that Joe Shane that Joe Shane showed over the weekend. And some people at Big Blue View reading that column were not understanding or were disagreeing with what I'm trying to say. And I'm not necessarily talking about those picks. What I'm talking about is the fact that, to me, what it shows is that you have a bold, aggressive general manager who is willing to look at his convictions and willing to go get what he wants. He's not going to sit there and say, oh, we couldn't get that guy because I just I couldn't give up the fifth round pick to go move up and get that guy. We just weren't in place to do that. So we'll settle for second best. And for me, the reason why it's exciting for me is because it shows you that I think it, it bodes well for the future as the giants try to build this team and try to catch the Eagles and try to catch the chiefs and try to, get to that talent level where they're considered, you know, an annual championship contender. You have a general manager who's not going to be afraid 
to take a risk if he thinks that risk could really help the Giants, you know, take a step forward. Yeah, and I think that that the idea behind all those things, well, first of all, I don't, I mean, who knows, but I don't think either he or Brian Dable see the Giants contending for the Super Bowl this year. I still feel that there are, are, are more pieces that need to be added before you could, could make a serious run at a Super Bowl. But it does say that he is he's getting, you know, he's he, he's getting out on the runway and uh, and trying to get into position, I think, probably to be able to do that by next year. And I think the thing that he and, and Brian Dable realize is that you are not, especially in the NFL, you're not going to win a Super Bowl in today's NFL with a with a bunch of 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 gritty, hardworking guys who don't have that much talent, but, but really play hard. And so, you know, that'll get you so far and it got them to the playoffs and even to a playoff win last year. But these days, in order to win a Super Bowl, you need impact players. You need difference makers on both sides of the ball. And the Giants last year just, you know, didn't have many of those. They haven't had many of those for a while. Okay. Uh, Dexter Lawrence was a difference maker last year uh, uh saquon barkley was certainly a difference maker last year you might you might add one or two others but really that's kind of it for the team and and you need guys who can who can basically change games and with these draft picks that they made especially on days one and two i think that's what he was trying to do i think in in deontay banks he's looking for someone that he honestly thinks can be a shutdown corner in the NFL and take away the team's wide receiver one. That's a, that's a difference maker with Jalen Hyatt. He's looking for someone who can not only be a home run hitter himself, but with the speed downfield can open up that middle, those middle levels of the field and make it easier for Mike Kafka to scheme other guys open at, uh, at you know, at, in, in short and intermediate routes too. So again, people who affect how opposing defenses uh, have to have to deal with you. And I think he realizes that until you add enough of those guys to the team, you can't legitimately think about winning a Super Bowl. And so you go, you see the opportunity to grab players you think can be that. And you say, I'm willing to spend resources to do that. Absolutely. It's funny that you that you went in that direction in, in that answer, Tony, because one of the things, you know, I get asked all the time or got asked all the time leading up to the draft what position you think the giants should should get after or should go after what do they really need and you could answer wide receiver you could answer cornerback you could answer whatever you wanted to answer but for me the real answer for that the the real thing that the giants had to search for was as you said difference makers game changing players guys who could do things you know Kayvon Thibodeau was a difference maker for the Giants last year making strip sacks that turned into touchdowns so the Giants just didn't have enough of that type of player and and for me where do you get those types of players you get those types of players in the first round and in general in the top 100 selections you don't get those players in the sixth and seventh round the giants were in a different situation last year 
They Joe Shane and Brian Dayball came in, and they had no idea what they had. They didn't think they had much talent. They wanted to collect as many players as possible. You know, Joe traded down a couple times. This year was different. This year, Joe was hunting difference makers. And, and I think that when I think about this, you know, Chris Flum did some great work for us with all the draft prospect profiles. I think there were more than 130 of them on the website leading up to the draft. When Chris graded the picks that the Giants made, when he put his grades together on Sunday morning, he dinged the selections of Hyatt and Banks just a little bit because of the capital that Joe Shane gave up. And I love you, Chris, but I strongly, strongly disagree with dinging those picks or with because of what Joe gave up to, to move up and, and make those picks. I'll just I'll just say a little bit more, Tony, and then I'll let you weigh in. I understand that some people shake their head at the idea that the Giants moved up one spot to get Deontay Banks. But look, if you're there, if you if you've got a list of say five players and two of them might have been wide receivers who just came off the board. Deontay Banks is at is at the very top of that list. And you're going to be ticked off if you sit there at 24 and let somebody sneak up in front of you and grab Deontay Banks. Then you give up a resource to make sure that you get that player who's clearly at the top of your board. So I had no problem with that. And I also had no problem with moving up. They moved up 16 spots to get Jalen Hyatt. They gave up their fourth round pick. That is what they intended to give up. They wanted all along to, when they saw that Hyatt was going to be there, they were looking for somebody who would take that fourth round pick to allow them to go up and get Jalen Hyatt. And again, you don't get Jalen Hyatt, who's the guy at the top of their board screaming at them at the beginning of the third round that they have to have that guy. You don't get that guy without giving up that resource. And and I have no problem with, with that whatsoever. Yeah, so I, I generally agree with uh, with you on this, Ed. I, I think, you know, there's several different ways to, to look at those draft trades. The statistics say that you're better off in general trading down than trading mm-hmm. up because you uh, – there's a lot more uncertainty in evaluating players, even at the level of NFL general managers than, than any of us and probably any of them want to admit. And so, as they say, the more bites at the apple you have, the better your chances of, of finding good players. And for that reason, you're better off adding picks, adding players rather than, than denying yourself players by, by trading picks away. So that's, so, so if you could make these trades a hundred times, then I think the statistics show that, that over a hundred times you you win more often than you lose by by trading down and you lose more often than you win by trading up. But of course we're not doing it a hundred times. We're doing it one time or two times. Right. And so out of those hundred times, if by trading up you 
win 45% of the time and lose 55% of the time, well, that means there's still 45 times that you, that you won by, by doing that. Right. And so you have to figure out, is this one of the times that I think it's worth doing? If you, if you just look at trading pick number, uh, moving up from 89 to 73 and giving up pick number 128 to do it. Actually, if you look at these these various trade chart calculators, that particular move, the one they made in the third round, was not uh, was not weighed uh, uh, in or or against or uh, for or against them. It was a fairly even exchange of picks because once you get to that part of the draft on day two, the the value of picks kind of starts to flatten out, and so. Uh, it's you're 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 not you're not making as bad a deal to move up 16 picks as uh, as you think you are, and uh, and so and so that one I think I was okay with from the start. But the other thing you have to think about, and and I think this is one way to look at at what he did, or I, sh- I say what he did, but really what was done in the third round apparently was Brian Dable's doing. I gather that Brian Dable was the was the one who who was chatting with Sean McVay and and uh and getting the idea to uh to to make a trade and Joe let him let him uh, uh run with it. I gather that he had something to do with it. So so good job Dave's right but um but anyway in the case of Jalen Hyatt here's the question that I think have to ask in evaluating that particular trade is Jalen Hyatt the 73rd best player in that draft well on big boards he was number 39 on consensus big boards he was he was about number 39 and so somebody was wrong there and and uh and you could argue that well NFL general managers know more than than anybody out there who's establishing a a a mock draft board and they're they're all passing on Jalen Hyatt halfway through the uh, third round, and uh, and so maybe they know something that the rest of us outside the NFL don't know about Jalen Hyatt's limitations and so on, or they weigh them differently. What we do know about his limitations, like his, his limited root tree and stuff like that. And so that's going to be the question going forward: Is Jalen Hyatt going to turn out to be a player who? plays like a 73 pick or is he going to turn out to be a player who plays like a 39 pick if he plays like a 39 pick then that trade was a tremendous value for the giants if he plays like a 73 pick it was still i think a good move and they gave up as much as they got in doing it so so although that was a a a big jump 16 uh, uh picks i didn't think that was a bad one at all the deontay banks situation again you know it's a situation where i think you you realize when you're making that trade that you're giving up too much to do it and uh you go ahead and do it anyway for precisely the reason that you said you you move up one slot because it's the it's the difference between getting the player you want and not getting the player you want Okay, and the Giants know about that every time they see Devontae Smith line up against them, that that one pick in the one slot in the draft can can mean a lot when somebody else makes the move and you don't. So if they really had Deontay Banks significantly higher than Joey Porter Jr., whom they could have had in that slot, 
then sure, you have to go get it. And and a fifth and a seventh round pick isn't necessarily a tremendous price to pay, especially this year where apparently Daniel Jeremiah was being told by NFL general managers that the draft kind of really kind of disappears in terms of high value players once you get through day two, this, this year anyway. Tony, the last thing I'll say about the uh, trading up and trading down before we move on to a couple of other topics is that if you read the big blue view rules for draft success, they do say generally the idea is move down, move down, collect picks, but move down and collect picks to be able to do exactly what Joe Shane did this weekend or over the weekend, which was go and get some guys when you have that capital available to you. So I, I thought in this particular case, I thought that that Joe was perfectly justified in doing what he did. Anyway, I want to move on. I want to talk a little bit about day three, what the Giants did, and then talk a little bit about maybe what they haven't gotten done this offseason as well. Um, so let's talk about day three. Uh, again, the Giants focused a lot on athleticism. They got a backup running back for Saquon Barkley. They got the big run-stuffing defensive tackle in, in Jordan Riley, a guy that nobody other than Emory Hunt of football game plan seemed to have a scouting report on. They added a couple of... Uh, of defensive backs as well. Uh, do you have a favorite day three pick? And and what did you think of uh, of what the Giants managed to do on on Saturday? Okay, so I so first of all, I really like the Eric Gray pick. I thought that the Giants needed to add a running back in this draft. I would have liked to see them add a quarterback also, but there was a tremendous run on the sec the second tier of quarterbacks. Uh, once you even in, even uh, I think in round three it began if I if I remember correctly, and uh, by the time you were you were through a lot of round four, a lot of those second tier quarterbacks were were already gone much earlier than I expected them to. So it it, it became clear to me pretty early the Giants weren't going to draft a backup quarterback, but I did think they should draft a running back. And uh, Eric Gray was one of the backs that I mentioned in a piece that I wrote about about a running back that they could draft. And the thing about Eric Gray is that uh, I heard him described as as not being fast, not being explosive. Well, I mean, he he's not the fastest back that was in that draft. I'll I'll say that, but he is he is far from slow. He he does not have the type of speed that he's going to take at 50, 60 yards downfield without a defensive back catching up to him from behind. But he's someone who explodes through the hole. And accelerates really quickly, and and I just did not get the the impressions of people who said that he's that he doesn't have the explosiveness. He he is great at getting through that hole after he makes his first cut, and he's he's really pretty elusive. And so I think he's a back who can make significant plays for the Giants in in a backup role. So I really like that pick. He also is someone I gather. Who uh, who could be a punt returner? And as we know from last year, you know the Giants, they need to find some answers at at punt return. And I don't want to see a Dory Jackson back there anymore doing it. And so having your backup running back doing it would be a great thing if he's the guy who can do it. Uh, that was that's my first reaction was that I really liked that pick. The three other picks they made, I will admit, are players that I knew nothing about. Uh, I like that they are making more 
picks for the secondary because I think you can never have too much depth in the secondary. They're going for guys with height, uh, I believe, in the uh, uh, guy uh, Trey uh, Hawkins, Hawkins, the third. Mm-hmm. I think he's like six one or something like that. And uh, um, and then the the guy they drafted, Les Javarius uh, Owens, is that Owens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is somebody I think who who has has potential to to give them depth at safety, maybe as as well as as cornerback. And I gather you know some people thought that that Owens was a draftable defensive back, like round five or six or something like that. I think that, that may have been. I'm not sure whether that was uh, Dane Brugler's. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think okay. it was Brugler's guide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so not having known anything about about any of those players except Eric Gray coming into the graft. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased overall at the particular guys they, they did take. I knew nothing about Jordan Riley either, but what little I know about him, he's just, he's 338 pounds. And, and apparently he's very, uh, very good against the run. And so as somebody to come in and give a breather to, to Leonard Williams or Dexter Lawrence uh, for, for early downs and do that type of thing. I think that's potentially a nice pick. The only thing I will say against the other day three picks is that I was really hoping that they would draft someone who could be a, a good, uh, a rotational player at edge defender. And they didn't do that. And I was hoping they'd draft a second linebacker because I still feel that they have big question marks at the second linebacker spot. And uh, they didn't do any of those with their draft picks, but they did draft players at both of those positions. They did, uh, excuse me, sign or are rumored to be signing players at both of those positions from the undrafted free agent pool. And so, uh, you know, maybe they'll find someone there who can, who can help them out. But, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and they, they managed to, uh, to, to fill a lot of needs, plug a lot of holes while not reaching for, for players. And so I think those are very minor quibbles about, about day three for them. Absolutely. I think that it became pretty clear when they gave up the day three assets that they gave up. They gave away a fifth round pick of, you know, one of the two fifth round picks, one of the three seventh round picks. They gave away their fourth round pick. It became pretty clear that there were a couple of of areas that you might like to see them address that they weren't going to be able to to add some competition in every area that you might like to see. I pretty much knew that, that they would skip drafting a quarterback, you know, once they traded so many picks, you would love to see them. And they still Tommy DeVito, who they apparently have signed, you know, for rookie camp. I don't think they're counting on him for, for anything other than helping him, helping them get through rookie camp and maybe, helping them get through training camp you would think they'll have to go out and 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 find a a low level veteran and experienced you know number 3 quarterback at least to have on the practice squad somebody that's got some NFL snaps um, would have been nice to see them add more depth at edge would have been nice to see them grab a second linebacker would have been nice to see them add a tight end in what was a deeper tight end class but you know in some areas in some areas I think that that Giants fans can't forget about the fact that 
there were a lot of guys drafted last year by Joe Shane who never played for the simple reason that they were hurt. You know, Wandale Robinson's the big name that everybody remembers, but Darian Beavers was headed toward being a starting inside linebacker. You can argue that, oh, they should have drafted, you know, someone other than John Michael Schmitz to, to as guard depth. But Marcus McKethan's a guy they drafted last year and that they like who missed the year with a torn ACL. So they have some young players from last year's draft coming back. So it's almost like having a, a, a few extra draft picks as well in, in a way. So some of the answers might be there. Some of them might not. As you said, Rome's not built in a day, but I think the Giants have made progress toward filling some of the, the holes that they had in this roster. And, and right now, I think, is a time for Giants fans to feel pretty good about the offseason overall. Yeah, and the other thing that I always have to remind myself is that is that how players perform as rookies is not necessarily how they perform over their entire career. And so uh, you can't give up on a player like Micah McFadden yet, even though when he when he played last year, he, he looked like he, he just wasn't ready yet to be in there. You know, well, you know, maybe maybe with another offseason, another training camp. Uh, you know, all of a sudden he starts to improve in some of the areas that he was, he was deficient last year and he becomes a useful player. As you mentioned, Darian Beavers, who never got a chance, who, who was looking good in training camp, but never got a chance. And so, uh, yeah, there are, there are players who, who might improve from year one to year two. Certainly the Giants are hoping that Evan Neal improves from, from year one to year two. There were, I think most of us are, are, are just about expecting uh, that to be the case. And it happens with players that they that, that they don't show you everything that's possible for them in one season and you have to give them time. And so, you know, there are, I think there are ways the Giants can, can piece things together uh, this year, I had no problem with them going John Michael Schmitz at number 57. I mean, I think the, the writing was on the wall. Once Joe Tipman went off the board at number 43, it was kind of nervous time for Giants fans who wanted a center. Uh, we had to come out of this draft with, with, with a center. And you might as well come out with a good one. And Schmitz on many boards was the number one center. On some other boards, he was the number two center behind Tipman. I think you like Tipman better. But... Uh, but to get one of those two guys and to be able to take him at 57, I thought was exactly the right move. Uh, you know, now if you look at the Giants' offensive line, they've got two number one picks and a number and a second round pick, uh, two, two first round picks and a second round pick on their starting offensive line, presumably for for 2023. So it's it's getting there, and then they you know, and then they've got third and fourth round picks vying for a guard spot and and so on. So so I think the offensive line is is getting there. You'd always like to see more people on the offensive line. Absolutely. But I think they've, they've made progress there. Yeah, it's interesting. Dan Hatman of the Scouting Academy always tells me when it comes to the offensive line, you need three studs. Doesn't matter what positions they play, but you need three studs and you need two adequate players at the other two spots. And if you can get to that point you've got a really good offensive line. If the Giants are right about John Michael Schmitz, and if they were right about Evan Neal, and he'll tell us, he'll show us a lot about whether they were or not. He'll show us a lot in 2023 because I expect him to play better. It's a matter of how much better. 
does he look like a long-term answer at right tackle? If he is, and if John Michael Schmitz is what the Giants think he is and draft analysts think he is, then guess what? Then the Giants have their three studs. And then they can then that then you fill in at guard with you know the best you can with your Ben Bredesons and Josh Azudus and 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 whatever else you can. And then you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, and long term, that's going to be, I think, a, a key thing for the Giants' success in their division because it's pretty obvious that the Philadelphia Eagles are are not holding back when it comes to building up their defensive line. <laughs> Absolutely Dallas, not. Yeah, and the Dallas Cowboys have been strong on the defensive line for for years also, and and the Commanders too have been good on the defensive mm-hmm. line. So all you know, so all three of those division opponents—that's six games a year against teams who are good on the DL—and so the you know, I think the Giants have taken steps to to compete better against those lines. We'll just see how much better starting starting this year, but obviously. The offensive line is an area that I think they're going to have to try to make additions to really kind of every every year for a while until they get to the point where they really feel that they can go toe-to-toe with those other division opponents. Absolutely. Tony, I think that's a, a good place for us to, uh, to call it a day. Giants fans, please remember, like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts across the Big Blue View Radio Network. All right, please uh, stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.